Hey folks, it's Kelly. This episode, all three of us are back on the pod together discussing our own venture updates. We're reviewing everything from 2020 through this year to date, and more than a few exciting things and some crazy things have happened along the way. Enjoy. Entrepreneurship is a podcast by and for entrepreneurs. We talk to founders and innovators about the shit they're going through and how they work through the reality of building a business. Why, why don't you lead us into uh, into this in, into this new series into the into the new horizon? Should we give it so the the brief little intro? We're yeah. gonna do these intermittently. Quick little updates from all three of us. Follow along with our journey of our own entrepreneurial endeavors. I love that journey for you. Queen City, Carousel, and Nobilis. Remember the first time we did this, and I was like, I couldn't remember the name of your company. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. It's okay. Obelisk. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Nobilis. It's hard. I know. I, it's I said, hard for people. Is it? Isn't that what they call the uh, the big hmm? the big memorial in uh, DC? The Obelisk. I have no idea. The big, the big, the big spot, the big spire thing. It's called the obelisk. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, like the Washington Monument. It just kind of sounds like (laughs) nobelisk. That's all. That's all really. Yeah. The uh, is it the Washington Monument? I think so. The big spire thing. It's on the the opposite side of Wash or Lincoln. Yeah. Right. um, Yes. uh, Yes. Opposite side of Lincoln. Opposite side of the reflecting pool. Yeah. Yep. So yes, nobelisk sounds kind of like obelisk, and my brain's doing stuff. So. (laughs) <laughs> well, so we're going to do this every like quarter. Yeah. Do a little check in because sure. we do things. Yeah. We mm-hmm. do things too. Yeah. 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 Right. We try. Who wants to start? Well, I think you should because we'll just catch everyone up really quickly because no one knows this, but we did this like four months ago mm-hmm. and it sucked. So we're going to try it again. Yeah. Did so, it suck? I thought it was okay. Yeah, it, it, it I can't. Oh, I can't. Did I, we put I, it I, out there? No. We did, was, we did we did the Trace Comas episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was online. And anyways, you had a fire. Oh, Let's yeah. fill people in. There yeah. was a fire. Okay, the yeah, so, okay. So, there's a fire. Yeah. And that was like a year ago. So the, yeah. the very quick rundown for the past year. Yeah. COVID happened. We were doing okay. There was a fire at the roastery. We were all convinced that was going to be the end of Queen City. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. We survived. A bunch of people stepped in, which is really cool. The coffee community i mean literally within like an hour of the fire being here in the roastery we're sitting in right now people were reaching out saying what can we do to help we'll give you our roasting space um it was rad it was like a super didn't uh, feel so alone what did you post on instagram or something no no, the fucking um denver fire department tweeted something out did they really yeah they tweeted out a picture of them here and they tagged you guys Uh, (laughs) look look at these fucking idiots (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember i don't think they tagged us but you could see like queen city everybody knows chaff is highly flammable (laughs) yeah yeah it was so that that was the word chaff until you told me about that fire story Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, you had your first chaff fire. Congratulations. Um, So survive that. The COVID thing continued to be a massive fucking thing. But awesome fucking team of people that we work with. Um, Everybody kind of just kept plugging along. One of the big things we had were incredible landlords. Did some, you know, put in like a to-go window at our five-point shop. Long story short, we had our most banging year ever last year. Yeah, we broke. Banging. I actually didn't know they installed that for you. That's awesome. Baker already had one. I knew that. And our five points landlord said, that's kind of cool what you guys have going on over there. It, and we told him, like, well, hey, that's keeping us open. And it's 
Well, that area over there is is blowing up. Mm. I mean, I don't know how. I I've just noticed how many new giant apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. I think there's gonna there's gonna be like a, a Sprouts Market down mm-hmm. the street. But yeah, that whole area is crazy. Like it's crazy. It, it seemed, and and you all are bringing a totally different audience mm-hmm. to that area. But I mean, he's stoked that you guys are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the thing that I think our landlords recognize is that when you have good tenants, especially in a moment like what we were going through with COVID, like keep them, you know, do anything you can to keep them. Um, So all of them, like the roasting facility. because they wouldn't be able to find a new tenant. Exactly. Like there's nothing, Mm. like you kick us out. And and we were doing fine. Like we were still paying rent. Mm. We could have still paid rent. They gave us like three months, three to four months on each location where we didn't pay anything. Um, But yeah, I mean, we... We broke seven figures last year, and for, like first time we've done that, and in revenue and wow. um, and between the two stores and wholesale, uh-huh. but wholesale dropped pretty significantly. Wholesale got wrecked. Wholesale like almost like eighty five percent of it went away, which is crazy because, it, for all intents and purposes, you're just source you're you're just providing the beans for other similar shops. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of a testament to. Your what you all, for, yeah. yeah, what you all did yeah. in your mm-hmm. brick and mortar stores. That's yeah, brick huge. and mortar. We also did a couple of things. We got creative, like a produce box. So we were doing like home oh, deliveries with produce yeah. and coffee. And then we partnered with Pandemic Donuts. Which and now they're doing, they're, they're they doing great, up. right? Yeah. And, they, that, and they put a commercial kitchen in the back of our five point shop. Are they still there? Yeah. I mean, they, they like built it out, put a glass wall in, like pay half the rent. What do you cold. mean? I have I haven't been there in there in a while. When you when you're talking about half the shop, mm-hmm. is it like the back half of it? Yeah, you know how there were two bathrooms. Yes, they built a glass wall in between those two bathrooms that kind of angles out a little bit, and that whole back half now is a commercial kitchen. So, so they have their door kind of on the 30th Avenue side. Yeah, and they have the a, a glass door inside yeah. inside the the shop, so you can walk through there. Wild. Yeah, I mean it. it cut our footprint in half so you know we don't have nearly many as many people sitting inside but it like you don't need it no we our our revenues through the roof and they're paying half of our rent and that's awesome that's huge yeah Yeah, and we have awesome donuts donuts. Um, Um, that's awesome so and so then we we are open in a third location uh we're on track to do it like october this year we did that through what we're kind of calling a it's a special purpose vehicle so it's a uh, wait. What is the financing? Yeah, so it, it, it's its own LLC, but the parent company of Queen City manages, operates it. But we brought in investors to actually do that. So we raised about a hundred thousand dollars for that. And our plan is to do this as like a model where we're just going to try to do that over and over and over again. It's kind of like it has. It's giving me franchise vibes. Exactly. It's kind of okay. a. It's a community franchise model where we can like choose the partners that we bring into it and it turns into like a real estate dividend type play for them. So they're entitled to certain profits tied to that. And I mean, they have zero management in it. They just get kickbacks. And that's all done. You secured all that. Yeah, we closed that out. Funding's in, build out is getting ready to start. Is that something that... people who invest into this type of business are from they're familiar with that that structure or is that, or is that uh, I'm, I'm just wondering like we've you never see these heard new financing of, structures and 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 creative like i mean I, I i was involved in starting a cooperative 
which is you know scares enough investors mm-hmm. already. But mm-hmm. like, uh, how how did you how did that go? So we're working with Jason. Jason did all the. Oh yeah, Jason Weiner. Yeah, Jason Weiner. Uh, Shout out to Jason Weiner PC. Yeah, lawyers. Jrweiner.com. Yeah, I think it's I E N E R, right? W I E N E R. Yep. Public Benefit Corporation. Yep. So we're going with so, Jason. Yeah, he yeah. put together all the paperwork for us. I, I so it's not like. It's not super unique. It's not something, a special purpose vehicle like this isn't, they didn't have to go like get super creative and building what they built. But we don't know of anybody else that's really doing this sort of model. Um, it's, it, I think it, for us, we've just had a bunch of people that are like, we want to buy into Queen City. And this gives us an opportunity to figure out how to do that. Um, Without without selling, giving without up, selling the core of the business, right? Without giving up any equity in the parent company in the core of Queen City, for which you, your brothers, and your one, or just, just a, you and your brothers own, yeah, outright. The three of us own it all. That's awesome. Um, and so we don't give up any equity in that, and we just now we don't know if this will work, right? We don't know for sure if this is going to be how we want to move forward. But the idea is that if it does. We don't have to over leverage ourselves to go take out a bunch of money or dip into like our cash and cash flow to go and finance future um, shops, but we can expand this quickly to three, four, five, six by using people who buy in to be a part of that. Do so, you know of any other um, any other coffee companies or similar businesses that have taken this model to scale? Yeah, so yes. I. I mean, again, I think they've done it all sort of differently, but there are people out there that have done similar types of things. And it is very much kind of a, well, it's not franchising though, because they're not taking on any of the, like if you wanted to go franchise a Jimmy John's. They're very capital intensive. They're capital intensive and you take on the management, right? Like it's going to cost you $250,000 and then it's your shop. So basically Queen City, what's the name of your LLC? Queen City Wheat Ridge LLC. I mean, it's just. Oh, you just create. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, the the parent company. Uh, yeah, Qu- Queen City Roasting. Queen company. City Roasting Company LLC or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you guys basically take on the management responsibilities for these pseudo franchises. It is a Queen City shop and everything in that. Like, it's still a Queen City thing. It's just they have taken on. Essentially, it takes away the like if this thing fails. You're almost wholesaling it to that shop, right? right. Is that is that the idea? How how does the how, like accounting work in that sense? Well, it'll, it'll be its own. Like there'll be a separate set of books, and then that comes into the. It's adding a layer of complication, which is the challenge now that we're faced with. Like okay. we're kind of, the the challenge we're faced with is we now have the opportunity to grow a ton, um, and. And we've, I mean, we, we have people that are like, okay, we'll do shops four, five, and six. We're ready to write you a check tomorrow. And it's like, well, hold up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we don't know. We got to make sure this works. We got to make sure that this is financially viable for all those involved. We've got to make sure that we can handle that kind of, I mean, we're taking our general manager and basically saying like, okay, now instead of managing two shops, you're going to, and working on the floor, you're going to be elevated to work, just manage the three. Um, and there's a whole labor. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff now that we have to figure out how to do that with. We're also looking at buying out a, a wholesale company out of Colorado Springs, um, which would double our wholesale revenue. And this guy's awesome. He's been in the you coffee. you basically just buying their customers? Yeah. We're buying like his book of business, essentially. Yeah. Um, he's been in coffee for 40 years. Uh, he's got a great sort of loyal 
group of people. And it's and and the and the quality and price of coffee is pretty similar. Yeah, uh, the, we. I, if Glenn ever listens to this, uh, we I, we would be elevating the quality. Um, well, I mean, let's be let's be clear. Like you guys, that's 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 kind of your whole deal. Like you have incredibly mm-hmm. high quality coffee, and that that's not a surprise. Yeah, and and he's been working with sort of an older, you know, it's like diner and type coffee. Oh yeah, in, to a certain degree, but. So you guys are gonna have your like, schnickel fritz, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's getting the schnickel fritz, <laughs> yeah. But we're basically there's a handful of clients he has um, that are you know big customers, and we're excited to to take on what he's doing. He's it's just it's a good opportunity again for, I, I think a lot of people coming out of COVID in in retail and other industries. I mean, you know that. The Amazons of the world certainly benefited from COVID. They were able to triple, quadruple. 10X. Are you talking about Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Amazons of the world, Amazon. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know, for a business like ours, like again, you're coming out of COVID in a strong position, and that enables it. There's a yeah. lot of opportunity now. Right. But that that again is the challenge of like, well, where do we go from here? I mean, my personal challenge is when do I quit my day job? And yeah. Hopefully and, and my boss doesn't listen to this. But you what know, do you? Free, what, well, fuck it. Be, uh, yeah. People, people quit work. Yeah, it's like, out there. They they have an idea, but yeah. but yeah. So you know, for me, it's it, it's like it's managing cash flow now. It's managing, you know, we we've got investor money coming in. We've got, you know, the revenue's been through the roof for us. Um, we, we're just at this point of inflection where everything's kind of like growing, but these are the moments where you can, you know, make some big mistakes or make right. some missteps. For and, sure. Well, because you're, this is, this is like scale mode. And are you, are you bringing in anybody to kind of guide you through this process? The people have done it before. Well, we're you're, talking to Paul. Paul Hudnut? Nope. Paul, your CFO guy. Oh, Paul. Paul. Yeah. He's a fractional CFO. He's awesome. You connected with him. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah. He's we're fucking awesome. With him. Yeah. Um, Paul, uh, financepels.com. Yeah. Paul Hefner. We're just throwing everyone in here. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, I mean, yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by yeah. Paul Hefner. <laughs> they, yeah, no, for real. He's he's awesome. He's yeah. Been, he's been an, an ally for sure. But that's part of the reason we went to Jason, too. I mean, for, you know, with Jason, it was like, look, we need to write up these contracts. Like, as we're looking at acquiring this other business, like, we need some fail-safes put into that. We need somebody. I mean, we were talking to Jason yesterday about these other people that want to invest into shops three and four or four and five are, and are they used to sh- are they are they used to investing in retail and these types of businesses and they're just seeing like holy shit this coffee company didn't tank in the middle of a pandemic they're doing something right no they're they're foreign nationals that are s- like heavily involved in coffee production outside oh, of the u.s that's wild okay and they have a lot of capital to put into this so we were talking to jason about like what are the like, what are the things we don't know about dealing with foreign nationals? Ah. So, I mean, we're bringing, we're professionalizing our team of professionals, our accounting and our legal and, you know, Paul being sort of that fractional CFO. I mean, it, honestly, finding a mentor in the retail space that has scaled a business that's been in this position of, you know, we have a team of 11, we're doing seven figures in revenue. Now we're going to, you know, we're on a trajectory to continue to grow that exponentially this year. We're adding a third shop. We're talking about doubling our wholesale revenue. Like all of this stuff, it it just becomes 
the biggest thing that we saw last year was people that were over leveraged are the ones that are like fucked right now. Mm -hmm. The people that, you know, had, is that, is that part of what influenced this, this structure that you, mm -hmm. it, because, because it's not as necessarily as capital intensive and you can kind of separate the individual businesses. Like if one of them doesn't do really well, it doesn't exactly. affect the whole business. Yep. So that's, really, that's super creative. The thing about Virgin, right? Like that's what Virgin, totally. the Virgin empire was built on. And that, so we're kind of looking at it in that way. We think the wheat ridge shop is going to crush. And by doing this model, we're giving up a part of the long-term profits, but that's part of what we're working with Jason on, which is like, Hey, let's try this one. Let's see what works. And then let's write up the next deal for four and five differently mm -hmm. right like let's make sure that we're doing this that everybody benefits but like with this one you know it's a we're basically the deals in perpetuity cool. future deals we might limit to like five years or ten years or something like that so there you know we're working with people to say like okay how do we structure this for it's a to, we don't put we don't lose too much that is left on the table but mm -hmm. that we continue to grow without over leveraging putting ourselves at too much risk or whatever so um but it's a lot. Like I think my biggest challenge personally is that, you know, it there's it demands a lot of time, and I'm working full time and then doing this full time. You're so working like, full time. You're raising. You're you're a dog dad. That's I have cute. a puppy. I'm a a dog giant dad. fucking puppy. Yeah. And it's you're puppy that was and you're house. and you're remodeling your house. Like, yeah. Don't. Don't ignore or diminish the fact that you're spread thinly. Like this, yeah. it's fucking hard. It would be hard if that was the only thing you were doing. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, you know, raising a hundred thousand dollars in this case wasn't hard because people were like, "Yes, we're ready to do that." And they. I mean, it was incredible how quickly they were just like, "Sure, we're ready." But the, all the details of that, you know, it's like mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, it was a fifty-page legal document that we had to like write for a hundred thousand dollar investment. Is a fifty-page. Yeah. Is that was and, and so how. <laughs> I mean, uh, so that was that was something that you had to. I mean, it was, was that a boilerplate Jason thing? wrote it. It was mainly boilerplate, but we had to go through it and go through it with the invest. You know, it just becomes this like you're. There's five people that we're now talking to and figuring out how to you know answer their questions, and it just becomes time consuming. So, yeah. so my biggest challenge is just, you know, Scott and Luke. It's a lot for them too. Um, it's just they're dealing with all the like man management, the produ production growth. They're dealing with all the yeah. So so you're kind of you're you're kind of in the back end, taking on that COO type role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which yeah. has always been my role. But again, it's sort of the it's getting to the point where you need to be more forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know the biggest like my home fight right now is talking about quitting my job and when to quit my job and what that means for us and what that transition period looks like. And, and you how, know, is it yeah. going to be a like for like swap of money in money out? You know, it, it's those conversations are the, I mean, it, it's, it's a fucking scary moment for sure. Yeah. Especially because you co-own a house with your partner mm -hmm. and, and we've been there before. She's been there for the early days of starting something for sure. and, and she's like, well, I mean, she made a comment the other day that was essentially like, are we going back to where we were 10 years ago? Well, and if so, I need to mentally prepare for that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to immediately get biased and start saying my opinions about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, so yeah, my response is no, we're not. 
and we're going to like this is something that could have meteoric rise to it if we continue to do what we need to do it's only going to have that type of exactly when you pour more fuel exactly you have to and if i'm pouring half my fuel over here and half my fuel over there then you know it's not don't separate your fuel man (laughs) direct your fuel to the one spot yeah so that's kind of the yeah the quick update challenge where we're at can i have a beer yeah let me grab you beer me a brewski i feel like we should yeah, let's let's circle over to let's circle over to Noblest Land. Well, no, Noblest and all of the other things. I'm take this last beer. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should go that way because we're starting with Eric, oh, who's God. like the most established. Oh, geez. As his beer just oh, went all over. Yeah, mine, um, mine did the same thing. Let's see. Yeah, I'll make. It. Oh, mine did the same thing. <laughs> oh gosh, guys, I'm so embarrassed. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Trimmer Pills. Trimmer Pills blows up in your hand. Can I have a... It's, oh, it's all over. What you got? Yeah, yep. that. Yep, you're coming at you. Right. Oh, yeah. Can I have some of that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so Noblest, let's see. What happened last year? Real quick, I'm trying to think. Oh, okay, so pandemic. Yes, everyone went through that. Along with the pandemic, we started our first fish feed trial so um see end of 2019 erica and i decided to raise some money to convince erica and you erica i heard eric and i erica erica and erica Erica, my partner i've gone on noblest too yeah yeah whoa yeah so erica and i um yeah we did a gofundme raised like fifteen thousand. crazy right crazy i don't know Um, how capital intensive the fish feed market i mean uh so that made like ten thousand pounds um to to get every up one up so all of that 15k went into inventory into inventory just for production production failed two times before the third time so we lost all that money to make one feed trial so we uh, we were doing a 10,000 10,000 pound production run turned into around uh 3,500 pounds of feed translating translating 3,500 pounds into feed into raising farm fish what does that get you what does that yield in terms of actual fish Mm. like it's a great question Um, or 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 even or even dollars like I'm curious yeah like what what does a farmer sell so yeah yeah i guess i'm 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 so like i'm so out of touch and ignorant about that that world so maybe you can just talk about the economics of it a little bit yeah so so basically the best way to 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 think about it is okay so a farm a farm's fish feed is around uh it's over 50 it's like 50 to 70 percent of operational costs given on like the type of species so it's a lot of upfront costs um they like typically will again depends on the species so they will wholesale their fish at certain different lengths at different um you know whether they're filleted or sold live um so you can get a variety of of margins but like let's say they're buying our feed at which is pretty expensive it's around like 90 cents a pound mm-hmm. 
typical market feeds are going to be like 70 cents a pound. But this is higher quality, sustainable. It's, a, it's higher quality. And, it, and it, does it, do you, so, so, sorry to interrupt. I'm, yeah, so, yeah. I'm so curious about no, this no, no, now. No, this is fine. so different than software. Yeah, um, it is. So, it's yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just like, it's a totally different set of challenges in and inputs and all that. So I'm curious, um, you, and I'll let you finish what you're saying. Yeah. But, so, I'm I'm th- I'm just thinking about this in terms of like inputs and outputs. I'm thinking about this of like right, yeah. What types of fish are you raising? Or are 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 you feeding? Um, does it like? So so we're we're strictly doing one trout feed. Last year, our only goal was farm raised trout. Farm feed some trout. So we needed to go find a trout farm. Got it. Here in Colorado, that would like actually take us on because we're super risky. Again, with operational costs being so high and then add on a pandemic, like it was incredible that we found anyone to be like, hey, do you want to try this innovative feed? Um, By the way, it's also going to be more expensive for you. And like you're going to take on this whole, you know, a whole bunch of risk. If if like the fish don't grow, you're like fucked. So so is so you sold all 3,500 pounds to one farmer? So, yeah. So we, we, the way we did it was we'll give you this feed for free. That's, that's oh. literally. Mm. We so needed, this is like a beta. Yep. That was basically our beta. Um, so you fed a bunch of beta fish. <laughs> basically. So we did a grow out. So it was like, um, you know, fish that are going to be uh, typically uh, with trout. God, I'm going to fuck this up. I, I'm going to say like five and three to five inches like you you've your like fingerlings and then once they're like three three to five inches they're like then you start growing out you're going to like really jam them with a lot of fish you want to fatten them up and then you're going to sell them so, so your feed comes in at what stage that grow out that oh. that end stage when you like really want to fatten up the fish and then before you sell them now to do that you need feed that's going to obviously be very like have good digestibility and that's where our whole stick of like our value prop for the feed is like, Hey, this is a protein source that fish actually want to naturally eat and absorb. It's not going to like mess with their like internal systems and shit. And they're going to actually like digest it well Mm -hmm. and gain weight well. And then, and quicker so that you you, didn't know, you didn't know if it would or not. No, it was all theory because like (laughs) (laughs) naturally like, um, as fish feeds move towards plant-based and insect-based feeds, a lot of people claim, and it's not that they're claiming, I mean, there's studies out there that those protein sources will still, you'll still get the same um, feed ratios, the growth ratios out there. But um, but we were kind of going based on our theory, of, we were hypothesizing that, you know, if you're a fish that naturally wants to eat fish, those that protein, is going to be a better source than alternative these like sustainable alternatives. So, which is why we want the Asian carp. Now, if you're then proposing that to a farmer, you want to be like, well, yeah, it's going to be expensive, but you're going to get fish that gain weight. You're going to turn over your inventory quicker. So you're actually going to be ahead in the long run, which is a hard sell. So to me as a total ignorant, person about this world Mm -hmm. 3,500 pounds of fish feed doesn't seem like a lot it's not that's that's a very small amount so yeah yeah, especially if you're if you're farm raising fish 
you have to have i mean i i've, I've been to the i've been to the leadville hatchery it's like enormous yeah um Hatch- and- yeah hatcheries are quite different different I mean, than farms i mean oh because those are just, those are meant for like stocking streams yeah and stuff. right so they're just gonna have different quantities and stuff i they, didn't know they had farm raised trout i, I thought it, either. I, yeah yep it makes sense i guess though i mean everything seems to be farm, ra- farm raised now. primarily in colorado um <clears throat> colorado washington idaho you'll see a lot of trout are you, are you allowed to disclose where, uh, which which farm you work yeah. with? So we work with a farm called Frontier Trout Ranch. They're located Frontier Trout Ranch. Frontier Trout Ranch. Cool. They're located in the San Luis Valley. It's very pretty. Yeah, down there. So um, beautiful. They yeah. So, um, so did it did it work? You so, gave them so essentially it worked. Yeah, I mean they we saw good uh, like uh, our growth ratios were were good they were competitive to our they were better than what's on the market better um, than what's on the market enough to justify I'm, the increase in cost yeah i you know that's actually a great question probably like we we have more formulation to do to like kind of fine tune to to get our feed ratios even better but um enough that they wanted to buy more so that's kind of wow. where we're at oh now. so you gave them the first batch and then they For actually free. wanted to buy some yeah that's yeah fucking that's awesome. the whole the whole point was just bootstrap the shit out of it well and that, that's we, the end goal of right there right? yeah he signs up to buy more right was it a big order it was it um so th- so they bought ten thousand pounds of feed we sold it at like 90 cents we actually lost money on on the deal um we got, <laughs> and that was that was on us um primarily because uh we got a grant through seattle fish company and then we we're doing this like crazy partnership right now seattle fish um is the whole di- wholesale distributor here in denver and they're um, huge and th- they? they're really big they're really involved at colorado state university mm-hmm. they're the yeah the, the president of the company is is very involved in the community um and yeah, they do a shit ton of, they move a lot of fish, and, which is awesome. We've developed a good relationship with them. So we were kind of telling them, you know, our, our struggles was, is working capital. Like we don't have money. Mm-hmm. It's just me and Erica. We blew all, <laughs> we didn't blow it. I mean, that's what like testing's for, right? Mm-hmm. But, and you've basically, com- you've completely devalued your own time. You haven't been. You haven't been paying yourself at oh, all. We we don't. Yeah, we've done this for two years now. We yeah, for we, no money. No money. I mean, we just put money in every month <laughs> from our jobs. <laughs> Keep got to pay the bills. Um, I mean, are are your is your general operating overhead pretty low? I mean, like cre- like the yeah, man, yeah. manufacturing costs seem like the high. The they high, must be the highest because that's mostly it. Production. Right? Yeah. I mean, we don't really have anything else at the moment, and and we're not doing anything. Our day to day is is pretty much managing the brand. Once we do production, then we're like, oh shit, we need like fifteen grand. We don't have that money. Where do we go? So you were like, either one or two things. You need to go to the bank. You need to go to a line of credit. Well, the bank doesn't want to give you a line of credit mm-hmm. when you have zero dollars in revenue. We actually like went to the bank after getting this grant and then kind of getting this deal together and we had $10,000 in revenue, they still didn't want to give us the money. So we're just constantly like, we did you need- go to a traditional bank or did you guys try like yeah, CDFIs or, uh, we, we want to, yeah, one of the big ones. Okay. I don't really, I mean, yeah, we should, we should talk they, like those, those, can, yeah. the CDFIs, you can talk about the bank. Fuck them, dude. Yeah, it was, it was Wells Fargo. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a long-term yeah. banker of Wells Fargo. Yeah, yeah fuck Wells Fargo. You heard me. Well, it's interesting because um, based on our personal finances, me and Erica are killing it. Um, not killing it, but we're doing fine. <laughs> Kevin, and, do you want to talk to us about it? <laughs> no, no it's, the it's not me. It's my wife <laughs> is killing it. I'm doing okay, and Erica's doing okay. Um, but collectively, we, we would have been able to cover, mm-hmm. you know, like a $50,000 line, line of credit easily. We wouldn't even need that much money. We need like twenty. Um, they still won't give it to us. So it it occurs to me, okay. I'm now I'm going to start like brainstorming and trying to find some solutions here. But because yeah. my, my my mind immediately jumps to that. But like it it occurs to me that you de- depending on the rate, if you can show some in, initial data and you find a if if you find a bigger farm than the one you had, or you say hey. We'll give you a eighty eighty or we'll give you eighty cents a, a pound, mm-hmm. but you got to pre-order. And yeah, you, so and, and it's going to be a six-month turnaround. That's a great yeah. So talk about current challenges. Right now, our current challenge is like we need money. We need to lower our costs. Like we've proved the concept, which is, was our sole goal of last year. It was like incredible. We that's even a did huge that. win for yeah. both, like in a production thing like what you're doing. That's a huge win. Yeah, it's it's um, me. You know, we're outsourcing all of production, so it's like it's not easy. Mm-hmm. These guys don't want to talk to. It. They don't really want to give you the time of the day. You're not making you're not making them any money really. So your small potatoes and you know in this industry that you're trying to like develop something new. Um, luckily our manufacturers like, and you have guys on, on, uh, on, uh, water skis with nets and football hummus catching all the fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe some of them. Yeah. That's what, that's yeah. The, the next bachelor party to come out of this trip. That's what I'm, that, I'm going to propose spear fishing Asian carp. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So all, you take all of that and you're just like, we, we chose a really shitty thing to try to like innovate in. Um, and we're lucky we're still floating. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money that we don't have. We talked with, you know, we talk with investors and stuff. One dude was like, what do you need? And was like, I don't want any of your money. Cause at the same time, there's, like I can't value noblest. I can't, you know, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, give me a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what I would do with it. And I guarantee you, you're not getting a return. So, so the big thing right now is like, <laughs> Dude, no, it's if serious. I had it's $100, like $100,000, you're selling me so hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, in pre- software though. Dude, like, pre-revenue. No, 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 no. Yeah. $100,000 goes actually not that far in software either, but, but like pre-rev getting revenue or, or yeah. at least, at least demonstrating revenue. Yeah. You can, Banks will listen to you if you have some revenue, so, you, even if it's pre-sales. Yeah. yeah. So revenue is not hard for us. Um, revenue is actually pretty easy because most, once we start getting farms on board, let's say we start convincing them, they're going to be buying in that like thirty to forty thousand pounds, which is can't yeah, you just roughly, get, can't you just find you know figure out what the economies of scale are trying to try to figure out like some some de- decent margins enough that'll get you to get the banks to give you a loan yeah i i don't even think it's the, i don't think it's the margins i mean i think they're just looking primarily at revenue and um and well, yeah we should talk offline about so like the I, I always I always do this sorry no no but like Col- Colorado lending source yeah. uh, enterprise fund like there's CDFIs are meant to be 
Like, you know, um, Maria Empanada? Mm, you seen those around town? So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's like a, a great story for, I think it was Lending Source. Oh, we got to get the, Mar- the Maria Empanada. Maria, yeah. Yeah, she's a... She's badass. a she's a badass, and, but she she basically built Maria and I think they have like eight or nine locations now. Yeah, but she she went to I think it was Colorado Lending Source with basically an idea of here's what I want to do. I don't mm-hmm. from what I understand of the story didn't have anything out there yet. But yeah. CDFIs are they're nonprofit banking groups basically. You guys have enough to go to a group like that and say like we have a bit of a proof of concept. Yeah. It's higher rates. There's some things that you have to like sure. hoops you have to jump through. But they work they basically de risk what the Wells Fargo banks of the world oh. have to do. Yeah. Because they're taking federal dollars and mm-hmm. and nonprofit dollars essentially to de risk and take on the the heavy side of the risk. And then over time they transition transition you to the big banks. We almost went to a CDFI early on in Queen right. City's life cycle. Yeah, um, we were able to not like have to use them, but they're great. I mean, you guys, I think, have enough to go try that. Yeah, we definitely. I've never heard of them, so yeah. that's awesome. We'll, and we'll talk. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's like where where Noblis is at is basically we need a lower cost. We need another farm to to get on board. Um, is is the farm that purchased from you? Is he just waiting at this point? No, I mean we just we we just gave him more feed. Uh, oh, you had enough. Ago. Yeah, we've done another production round. Um, now it's just figuring out how to scale and yeah. scale smart, mm-hmm. smartly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where you know looking at product development, trying to you know we're trying to convince uh, a hybridized bass farm that's down in Southern Colorado as well, they do a thousand, 2000 pounds of feed a week. Well, you know, that's like way beyond what we could probably accomplish, but you know, just trying to, to really think strategically how we're even going to be able to get them feed, mm-hmm. develop a feed that's going to work and then to convince them to buy something that's still going to be more expensive than what they're purchasing. Cause we're not vertically integrated. So we're never going to actually reduce our, we will reduce our costs with economies of scale, but not significantly enough. So the end goal for us is never like, I mean, we're not going to go out and, you know, go buy a, a facility and make our own feed. That's not mm-hmm. what we want to do. We want to develop a really good brand that is going to have like a great reputation um, and then just develop smartly and innovatively around feed and like simplified the feed industry. Mm-hmm. Um, if we so, can do that. So you, so basically leveraging your brand to make the overall fish feed industry more sustainable. Am I yeah, understanding you correctly? Yeah, we're just doing something that literally the research and science has been out there for a long time. Um, no one's in, no one's actually just tried it. Yeah. Nobody's acted on. No one's act, yeah. yeah. And by doing that, and then actually, researchers and academics are not doers. I mean, it, they just fucking talk like we are. The thing, <laughs> but not the thing about the more intelligently. Yeah. The thing about the feed industry is there's a lot of big, a lot of big players. Um, there's not kind of those like small guys. There's there's some middle ones, but we're there's bigger fish. Yeah, I, I was gonna say Dude, that. Dude, I've had like, I've, it has been so that. hard for me not to just pun off of everything. <laughs> like economies of scale. You know. <laughs> damn it, Joe. Uh, uh, I can't help it. I got those fly over my head. And uh, land every yeah. Time 
The, and I think one of the things you guys are up, like, I mean, so many of these um, social impact sort of initiatives and environmental impact initiatives, you're up against the giant behemoth that is the industry. Right. And, and that's, I mean, such a, I mean, from what I understand and hearing you talk about this, like, mm-hmm. there's not necessarily the Coca-Cola's or Monsanto's of the world in this, but there is something like Monsanto's, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. And those, we've talked with people, you know, we know them. They probably know who we are in some shape or form and they don't, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They, um, basically they, our understanding is like, it's just not worth it mm-hmm. to them. They make so much money elsewhere that like, why I go, mm-hmm. go try this out. You can, can't you just pull the, like, we can help you greenwash a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not greenwashing. I mean, no, that's, you're, that's what, you're not. I'm just yeah. saying, like, like the, e- even if it's a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help that. I can't. You're like literally myself. twitching over there. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, yeah. a pun. No, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like there's some sort of PR angle here. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, and that's the end of the day is, I mean, yeah, like, what, what are we going to do? At a certain point, there's only so much supply of what we need and, you know, maybe we'll find other protein sources we can tap into, but, um, you know, we're, we're very Asian carp. I mean, isn't that's a huge, I mean, there's a, you're not going to run out of it many times. No, no, no. But there is a threshold. There's a finite, you know, and that's why you're seeing some of these other markets really open up within feed and not just in aquaculture. You're seeing it across Mm -hmm. agriculture. So, um, you know, we're just trying to find that one opportunity and it's a small opportunity, but I f- our, our whole thing is like, if we annoy enough people, maybe someone will like either buy us out and just mm-hmm. get rid of us or they would want to integrate the brand because we established those relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where we're at now is just like, yeah, we need some fucking money. And, um, we should have started with me as like, Eric's all established. <laughs> Kelly has Dude. Shit's blowing up. No. He nah, doesn't know we, what the we, fuck he's we, doing. We gotta, we gotta run the gamut. This, the, there's a spectrum. Everybody's in different places, yeah. man. Yeah. And, and all, also, I'm just like, there's so many pun opportunities. I know. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of fucking puns. So many You're puns. not gonna sleep tonight. You know, just gonna wake up yeah. in the middle of the night. Be like, oh, nah, 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 got nah. another one. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's that's uh, where we're at. I will leave with, we're gonna start a dog treat brand to raise basically uh try to build a, a local dog treat brand to raise capital for the fish feed you're gonna make using dog, dog treats using the carp yeah we've are you worried we've made you? them i have samples i'll bring you some because yeah how are, how are yeah. they taste good the astrid <laughs> eats the shit out of them are you are you concerned about um uh parasites and stuff uh, no, because the feed and the pet treats are extruded, and an extruder like pulverizes the shit out of anything. And I don't know what an extruder is. Extruder is just like um, a, it looks like a laser. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a machine that just like all the the mixed ingredients go into this extruder, which is a a machine that then like, heats it up nor. really hot, and it yeah. like mixes it all together, and then it pops it out in these die holes, and then they're cut. And that's how you get the like little pellet looking uh, things. So when and it, it does it super fast, yeah. And when it goes through that, it's literally like everything is just cooked to Dude, oblivion. I, I, but but there's but there's still that's my sesame it doesn't cook, it doesn't like cook off the vitamins and nutrients. 
No, no, no. Interesting. It's, it's yeah. So, I, I love that you're so as a newish dog owner, uh, and knowing the amount of money we pay for that fucker's food yeah, right? and treats. Dude, you got you got a you got a super fancy enormous fucking dog that's gonna eat you out of house and home. Yeah, but yeah, but just seeing like you go like Luke's, uh, Luke's pet shop right here behind us here. Yeah. I mean, I love that place. It's great. We're and sponsored by Luke's Pet yeah. Shop on Broadway and Fourth Avenue <laughs> in Denver, Colorado. Go visit Yeah, they're they're fantastic, and mm. they have all this great food, and they treat their employees well, and all this other shit. So we love going in there. But the, to see the amount of money people spend on yeah. dog treats and stuff, I love that you're starting the dog treat thing to fund the other thing. When actually the dog treat <laughs> thing might be the thing that it might be better. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, we realize that. But me and Erica, like we we want He's, to be in yeah, aquaculture. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, we like dogs. So we're like, yeah, we can get down with that. Our manufacturer makes pet treats too. So we're like, well, that seems reasonable. You're trying yeah. to, you're trying to overhaul and make the, like the aquaculture world more sustainable. Yeah. You're not, ne- and, and almost a byproduct of doing that is, is reducing the number of invasive, of in, invasive carp. Yeah. But, but, <clears throat> What if this what if this dog treat thing goes just gangbusters up. and yeah. all of a sudden you're just fucking can't find enough carp? I <laughs> I don't think that's yeah I don't think that they reproduce like crazy happen. and there's no natural predators. Yeah, right? they, there's like eradication. The biologists have said like eradication is like impossible. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And there's there's plenty of other <laughs> species that are like invasive, that's, but that sucks. yeah, I mean that's like always a risk. And when we were doing you know, on the like circuit of doing business uh, competitions and stuff. It was, that was what we heard. You know, people, we are a very risky venture because we right as of right now, um, we're not risk averse. We just like rely on one supply of thing. And, and that's like our thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, we're fine with that. The moment you take on any sort of investment capital, it changes your whole And that's why we haven't approach. took it. Yeah, it makes sense. Which is why we're making dog treats now. So, I don't know. Who are the guys that made Abomalos? Was Airbnb. that Airbnb? Airbnb. Airbnb. Yeah. So we were like, it'll yeah. just be our Abomalos. Like, yeah, you got to have the Obama and McCain flakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, um, I'm going to have to do mine rapid fire because those beers went right through me. <laughs> Gotta take a piss. I'm being honest. You want to take a piss? We can like. We no, can no, no. Back. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to kill the vibe here. I can handle it. Um, I also just. I, I also down. totally just commandeered your your <laughs> time. So do you want to? No. Wrap up anything? Uh, no. I think. Cool. We're good. I'm, I um, could talk about. I'm. I'm very interested. I'm totally. I know. Invested. I didn't I'm, even like. I'm invested emotionally. I feel like <laughs> you asked me 15 questions. I never actually answered. It just kept. It was like. Doesn't matter. It's fucking. Next, it's super interesting. Anyways, there are good margins on on fish. Like if you yeah, sold well. fish wholesale, like there, they you would do very well. Oh yeah. That's I, that. That's not a number for you. I don't actually know their margins off the top of my head so i couldn't tell you sounds i mean trout's delicious to Um, be honest yeah yeah let's quit lying to ourselves and talk about how delicious trout is just kidding let's Uh, talk about carousel yeah carousel hey where is carousel so joe you've been traveling around you just had a nice break but holy shit yeah the 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 theme of my segment here is going to be 
is going to be hazing. Let's go back to hazing. Let's go back to <laughs> high school douchebags and whatever. The atomic <laughs> atomic setups. Setups. Let's just talk about atomic setups. Eric went to school with some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with some sexually frustrated Christian boys <laughs> that, you know, got everything they needed from atomic sit-ups. <laughs> oh, yeah. This yeah. is going to come back to haunt me, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, Carousel. <laughs> Eric, are you okay? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, let's talk about Carousel. Let's talk about social-emotional learning. Let's talk about all actually, the things I, you're maybe, doing maybe good we for could. school. We can unpack the atomic sit-up uh, yeah, and realize... Uh, yeah. So my my goal in life is to make sure that if kids are giving each other atomic sit or making each other do atomic sit ups, they understand why they understand why and where it's coming from. <laughs> one, and, and like, oh man, I wish my dad hugged me more. One day a VC is going to hear that uh, they're going to like research you. They'll be like, I like Carousel. Let's let's look more into them. They're going to hear you say that shit and they'll and then how you talked about VCs were the ones. Uh-huh. Giving the atomic set, yeah. and then you're gonna lose like yeah. Well, a lot of money. hey, well, VC is anyway. no, no, no. That'd be fine. Yeah, they they know that. There, there's plenty. There's there's plenty of yeah. self aware. All, all, all the all the v, all the VCs are like microdosing and shit these days. They're they're becoming more self aware, and they're starting to realize that in high school they were douchebags. <sighs> Or they were the ones being picked on. Oh fuck! Actually, I hope that's the case. I think it and, is. And and so for a lot of them. Cool. Good for them. Yeah. Take the take the power back, guys. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm about distribution of power. And anyway, we'll we'll get we'll get to this. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's talk about carousel. So we what just in this last year? When did you start carousel? Because I the timeline for me is always a little yeah. Like, the timeline's a little. A little um, wonky. It was, so, so there there was a little bit of overlap with the previous venture with with Wayfinder, um, but I, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the rapid fire time timeline. So, fall twenty nineteen, I was in the right place at the right time. I was I connected with um, uh, a f- a few people and at uh, so the the former CEO. Of, of of a local nonprofit uh, called Denver Kids, a uh, a local inventor, the guy that basically created the foundational IP for which we've built kind of our entire system. Um, his name's Steve Huff. He he's a PhD social worker. He's worked in this space for a long time, um, and a funder. And I was I was involved with Denver Kids kind of as my as my main source of income, but side hustle as I was working on other stuff. But uh, right place at the right time, I um, kind of caught wind of this opportunity. I noticed because of the work that I was doing that the uh, the social emotional learning education space was. Um, a, 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 an area that was ripe for innovation. Most of this, most of the existing solutions were paper-based or required a lot of, you know, um, we talked about this in our, in, in, a, in a recent podcast with another guest. Uh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of space. There's a lot of different ways to approach this. Social emotional learning encompasses, uh, a lot, a lot of those "quote unquote" soft skills, if you will, that you that you learn from a from a mentor type, from a from a parental figure, 
um, counselors, teachers, social workers, those people that help you navigate your emotions, navigate society. Um, and these are skills that are there. There's more and more research and understanding that these, these skills are critical in a, a student or one's ability to succeed academically, to move on beyond school, um, you know, secondary school, pursuing post-secondary options. Um, graduating from high school is one of the largest indicators that a person will or will not, depending on if they graduate or not, uh, experience homelessness or severe poverty at some point in their life. So, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, of, of social um, connections with developing skills like self-awareness and the ability to recognize one's emotions, where they're coming from, recognize e- even, you know, ex- accepting that uh, men- mental health isn't just a given you have to work on it uh and and it's something that you and you know and and we as entrepreneurs know that all too well um well especially in like being someone in high school i wish there was someone who was like talk to me about my mental health i was like well there there were you go through and you're like the challenge is there probably were people like that maybe yeah but but they weren't talking to me but there was but there was a disconnect (laughs) yeah so so to be clear I mean, for for decades, the the U.S. Um, education system, mm-hmm. in all of its flaws, has ha- has has had um, mental health and counseling opportunities for most public schools children. Yeah, right. The only difference is that access to those resources or knowledge and awareness of of those resources aren't aren't uh, aren't common Accessible. and all. Aren't accessible, but also, as we know, as as men, yeah. uh, as as white straight men in this in this culture. If anyone we, didn't know, we're all white. Yeah, we're super white. This. We're super. <laughs> we're we are. There's no there's no question about it. We're white straight men. Uh, I I mean I can speak for myself. We're, you know I, uh, but we. There, there's there's an unfortunate reality in. In this, in in our demographic, the three of us sitting here, in our demographic, there's an unfortunate reality that um, that we're trying to reconcile as a society, where we are allowed to talk about our emotions, we're allowed to talk about, you know, um, our we're we're allowed to emote in ways that are productive, in ways that are not anger and violence, but in you know. Um, ways that we can reconcile with the people we're in conflict with or, you know, whatever else it is. And this is, this is in co- the, the term social emotional learning is this space where the, this, this very nebulous, very nonlinear learning space where we, where we find, where we figure out who we are, um, where we, where we, uh, where we start to accept the, the feelings that we have are, you know, rooted in survival or, you know, rooted in, um, acceptance in this society and so many different things, but we, we tend, men in particular tend to ignore them, um, because it's not cool or it's not exciting or it's, or it's not tough or whatever, which is total fucking bullshit. Um, 
unfortunately it's way it's 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 very common um this is what we call toxic masculinity and that has a, you know that has a whole spectrum and lots of different characteristics but um the 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 benefit of 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 kids developing these skills are you know becoming more resilient to um to things like getting getting bullied <laughs> getting bullied or or recognizing that you know i i'm like the the moment a bully recognizing that the, recognizes that they're bullying someone mm -hmm. recon, like that bully is a human too mm -hmm. that bully is you know clearly not processing their past traumas in a in a healthy effective way yeah and they're taking it out on on the next on the most on vulnerable Eric. kid. They're 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 taking <laughs> it out. They're taking it out on Eric. Eric. Yeah, <laughs> Eric. Your parents stuff. stayed together and they love you. <laughs> Fuck you, man. No, it's just, no, but for real, it's like there's there's a huge there there's a huge uh, you know gap between the kids who are ha have have access to that type of education. So anyway. I, I've been rambling. Yeah, for yeah we're down a rabbit hole. So you started this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll wrap it up. But I, but this this comes back to, um, yeah. Pass that around. Anyway. So Joe, you started this. Yes. It all sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, Sorry, you created this. this is, I talk about this all the time. No, I know. Anyway, it uh, sounds yeah, great. Yeah, we, we the whole the whole thing we were gonna talk about. So, I'll, I'll, I was gonna do a fast forward version of this but we've been drinking anyway so um november 2019 it was kind of a an idea, an idea. um in early 2020 this was before the shit hit the fan and uh covid affected everything schools shut down students were moving into zoom learning um this was right before that uh I was, I, I had basically, you know, started to talk with these, you know, this group of people and we realized we needed to start a separate venture in mm -hmm. order to accommodate. Yeah. Uh, Cause this. you got like a grant or something. Originally, so it, right? was, it wasn't a grant. Uh, we, so De Denver kids, uh, in, in essence became our, our first investor. Uh, Denver kids had been looking for a solution that we're now building. And as it turns out is something that a lot of schools and similar organizations need. Um, and it's all focused on at the end of the day on maximizing engagement, uh, reducing the, the, the stigma, the social stigma around talking about one's feelings and, and turning it into something that kids actually want to do, not because they're told to do, not because like, not that they're ashamed to do, but something that, like if if I um, it's it's it we we often we often uh, equate it to the the Duolingo of social emotional learning. It's very much a a gamified experience. It, it feels nothing like schoolwork. And at the end of the day, we're starting to aggregate data data that has never been able to be collected. Um, and we're, and we're going to, and, and we're taking something that is an inherently nonlinear process, um, where you can't just have a class on SEL and usher all these kids through at the same level, because everybody's at a different stage. These, these kids, parents have been around their whole lives and they have parents that are emotionally intelligent and have developed these skills and have been going to therapy for their lives. So they know how to like, you know, engage with their kids. And then you have kids whose parents, 
you know, who, who, whose father was deported and, you know, they're experiencing that emotional trauma and then they, you know, they close off and various other things. There's, there's just, there's simply no starting point where it's, where it, where everyone is, no, no one's at the same level, even adults. I mean, we know plenty of adults that are just on, on so many different areas of the spectrum. Anyway, we need to, what we are creating right now is a way for us to meet kids where they're at, um, to create a very tailored experience, uh, a, a mastery based approach, uh, to social emotional learning and developing skills like self-awareness and emotional uh, self-regulation and that sort of thing. So you have the platform. The platform's built out at this point. You you have some uh, yeah. uh, kind of a team. Yep. So but, and you you found a co-founder who's like really heading up the pr- yeah. And I hope to have her on as a as a guest in the near future. She's yeah. awesome. So uh, I met Jess. Um, I took I took her product management class. She was a she was an instructor for General Assembly. Um, and she's been in the technical product space for over a decade and she's just a total badass, but we really see eye to eye, um, in just, you know, work-life balance and caring, you know, and, and, and this is just like become, this has become so much of a, a mutual passion mm-hmm. that her, her and I can have, have just, we drive really well together. Um, we'll get into that when we have her on the podcast, but I brought her on basically to handle, all of the product related, uh, product development related stuff. Product. So I'm, I'm handling she's like a CTO almost. Yeah. CTO, C- chief product officer, head of product. Yeah. Um, she's not, she's not doing the coding, but she's, sure. she's yeah. guiding the product. She's got, she's, yeah. she's doing most of the designs herself. And then, um, and, and then we have uh, a couple, we have, um, two, two full-time employees. One is focused on sort of impact and customer engagement, um, partner engagement. Cool. And then one who's focused more on, um, uh, operations and marketing. Okay. So right now we are, uh, clo- ideally closing out a pre-seed round and we're kind of in this limbo, uh, purgatory space. Uh, this is definitely the hardest oh, par- no. part that I'm in right now. Um, we have, I I've had to date, I believe 18 conversations with siege stage venture capitalists to kind of prime those great, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nobody's given me a hard no, uh, which is even better, That's awesome. but, but the problem is we need to get from, you know, zero to one and we need money to get to one. Right. So the the challenge has been okay. Need, we need we need to we need to get this MVP, this minimum viable product, and we don't have a coder because, yeah, no coder unless unless you're like a founder and you know how to code and mm-hmm. you develop this thing yourself, you can make like in the you can make crazy money right. working for any company. Like there, there's why a, there's work a short for you exactly if, uh, why work yeah. for us. So I mean, eventually it you know we'll, we'll be able to you know accommodate competitive salaries and that sort of thing. But we've, we haven't, uh, it, it, I, I spent, I spent the better part of a year trying to find a technical person who would be on our team and work for equity. And that just wasn't going to be a thing. Fortunately for me, I think it's a better situation than I have Jess because she's, she's just, she can look, she can be like the CEO of the product, right? So she's focused on everything product related. I can say, okay, this is your, this is your budget. This is our runway. This is how much money you have to spend. I need you to say, okay, this is what we're going to build and this is what we're not. But right now we're in this limbo period where we need to raise, you know, another hundred, 125 K. Um, and 
and and that would basically get a like we're 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 gonna get to our MVP. We're gonna launch something. It's gonna be good. It's not gonna have all the bells and whistles. It's gonna be truly an MVP and a lot like in a lot of sense. Lean. Yeah, but we're also not gonna be able to generate any revenue because of the industry we're going into. Um, we need a, we need we have we have a free product. It's very common in the K twelve education space to create a free product for teachers basically Whoa. um it's we're, we're kind of taking a slack type model right i've never paid for slack i've been using slack oh. for years slack depends on the enterprise level uh like i think i i don't i don't know have the data to back this up it's one of slacks i've slack. never played for slack yeah and i don't know anyway, i would assume the only people paying for slack are like huge I, ibm is yeah. their biggest is their biggest uh client and i think they they cover like 40% of their act of their no annual shit. revenue. Yeah. Really? It's fucking wild. Anyway, they have a, they have an amazing entry level free product and we have to do the same thing because we're not in the business of price gouging teachers. They're already screwed. We need to get this in the hand of of kids. Right. Um, and, and, you know, help them start to develop these skills, especially because the timing couldn't be better. We're, we're coming out of a pandemic. Kids are going back into school um, with, you know, with a year behind in developing these coping skills to try to, be back in that space anyway um this yeah this, we're we're just kind of in this purgatory space because we need to we need to sh demonstrate uh traction we need to demonstrate that our product is worth investing in we need to demonstrate uh, the need to d to raise you know a 1.6 1.8 million dollar seed round to show okay the the seed round in venture capital in this space is like this is how you get to product market fit. This is how you go from having an MVP to actually having a product that people will buy. And that's what that's what people are investing or that's what C to Sage investors are investing in is getting you to product market fit, right? Until we have this baseline data to show that we're, you know, we're we're basically stuck stuck right here because like we have those 18 seed investors. I think we're going to have an oversubscribed round, but Right now, we just need to get this fucking MVP launched. Wait, wait. So let's back up a second, though, because I know you raised some money. Yeah. So we raised we've raised 166k in in investor funding, and then we had some. Uh, um, we had another 25 from friends and family. And with any of that money, are you paying yourself? Not much, but yes. Yeah. So I'm paying two employees. Uh, most most of the money right now is going into product. Most Joe's Venmo is uh Joseph Dashun. Um, <laughs> No, but, but but so go back. So you you've raised one hundred and sixty. You've gotten to a point where you have, it's not an MVP, but you have a. We have a, a fucking slick MVP. Like we're we're so not only we're we gonna have an MVP, but we're gonna be prepared to immediately go into, uh, like we're, we we have but, we have all our legal ducks in a row. We're gonna be prepared to go into due diligence immediately because like there's no question. Like every I've done everything I but can. But slow down for a second yeah, because yeah. you were saying you were saying you're trying to get to an MVP, but you have one, but you, what you have right now, cause I've seen what you have. It, it's like an entry to, you, you've Great got question. the bones for an MVP. So right now we have an app in the app store that's being, you know, piloted by various teachers, users, whatever you guys can download it. You've used it. You've downloaded it. Yeah. So you have the app. The app is, um, uh, will be Copa compliant. It'll be a, accessible by any student, any age. Um, and we'll wrap up here in a second. Um, but the, 
the um, the administrator or teacher dashboard is going to be all web based. So what basically what this teachers will deploy uh, to students when they when they come back into school, we're, we will be launching that in uh, in the first few days of August. So do you and have do you have you have the money now? To we have the to money to level. get to our MVP. Absolutely. So the next phase then is getting that deployed. Yes. And then figuring out how to go and raise the next round to do what? Yes, but we need, you know, a couple months of buffer to make sure that we have enough that we can keep going, we can keep working through bugs, keep adding, you know, necessary features, um, and keep meeting payroll so that while I'm, you know, I'm I'm gonna open the round. And ideally, six to eight weeks later, we we will have closed it. But I'm but I will need That's to a quick turnaround. Yeah. But I'm get, I'm gonna show up with a a, a, a kick a lot of fucking um, you know I'm, data users a lot of data yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm starting to go cross eyed because I have to pee so bad. <laughs> it's a great yeah. point to yeah. stop yeah. when Joe has to pee. Yeah, I can't I focus anymore. I think the anymore. takeaway I I hearing you talk there's like a lot of similar my shit's very different than yours but there are a lot of similarities. Totally. Eric's over here like fucking killing it. He's going to quit his job yeah. soon. Yeah, but he's scared too. Um, yeah, I'm excited. So we'll we'll like pick this back up in a few months and see <laughs> Joe's, Joe will Joe's have, have to pee. <laughs> Joe will have peed by then. Eric, you might have like five shops. Who knows? In the next like three, four months, Joe might have an MVP. Who knows? I might have made a fish, another fish. Feed. <laughs> <laughs> Just focus on the dog treats. Yeah. We will have dog treats. So yeah, when they come out, um, Maybe maybe the dog treats will sponsor the next episode. Dog treats <laughs> by <laughs> brought to you by Asian Carp. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think we can wrap up with um, I, I, one of the things that I think is interesting about where Joe's at is having the space. I hope we hear. Him. <laughs> yeah, I hope this picks it up. Um, just being in a place where it's like, like he's saying that. They, they, we, it took a long way for us to get there, but I think that sort of mm. the gap of going from we've got something to put into people's hands. Yeah. And there's always this sort of like waiting period, right? I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it, I I can reflect on like where Queen City's at right now. I mean, if you go back two and a half years ago and some of the like early accounts that we were trying to get or, you know, being in that position of like, it's always a, a cash flow management issue in those earlier stages, and that's, that's where exactly you're at. right. And cash flow management. I mean that that's our that's our issue right now with scaling, right? We're talking thing. about like, but it's kind of fun, man. No, like it I, is I look fun. I look it's, at spreadsheets. Welcome I, back from peeing, by the way. Thank you. It was great. And and this is exactly what I was going to talk about. It's like there are ways to navigate through this, uh-huh. you know. Whether it's whether it's lines of credit, whether it's re- negotiating payment terms on invoices and giving yourself a little bit more buffer, that's exactly what we've done. Um, right now, worst case scenario, I have to take a bridge loan with a high interest rate from a family member just mm-hmm. to like make sure that we can cover invoices and keep payroll going. Or if I have to take out, you know, in- extend our extend our credit line mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm going to make this work. It's just fucking yeah. scary especially because we have people on payroll and we have mm-hmm. this, this you know and and the and, and the reality the f- simple fact of the matter is we need to get a product launched we need to get people using it it's important for kids to 
you know, it's important for our, our existing users and teachers and people who want to use this this fall to have it. We don't want to wait any longer. We don't want to, you know, focus on unnecessary crap, but um, yeah, it's just like, it, it, that's what, I mean, it's what Kyle talked about in the first episode. It's what Nick talked about with from the, for the, from the, from farmer. the farmer. Yeah. Um, all of it came back to cash flow to a certain degree, right? Totally. Like Kyle's whole thing of like turning to his co-founder and saying, you know, what does it take for us to keep this running and how are we going to manage that? And it was basically like, we can lean this down to $2,000 a month and I can keep running this for 12 months. That means nobody's getting paid. Right. But we can do that to keep this thing afloat. I but mean, it, it takes, was what. But it takes people like that who are willing to make. Yeah, exactly. That's what Nick was saying. He's like, you know, we to, to the invoicing thing. I think he even said it. He's like, we did some kind of shady shit where it was like, oh, you know, people are going, oh, you didn't pay us. Oh, yeah, the check got lost, and they'd pay him later. I mean, it just cash flow managing cash flow. I think is uh, we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah, but but like, it's it's. It, I think that's the biggest thing you're faced with right now. It's I think you guys are in a a slightly different spot and just like you're trying to raise the money or find the money to go to the next thing. Yeah. But it's the same thing for us. Like with scaling right now, it it all comes down to cash flow for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so that's a good theme to end on. Yeah. Cash flow. I mean, I I think we, I, I honestly think we could have an entire podcast about, creative ways to do that yeah. like, i'm sure i'm sure this is a common thread uh among entrepreneurs mm-hmm. it's like cash flow from revenue cash flow from from capital investment mm-hmm. cash flow you know it's it's just like i need to keep this business afloat no matter what mm-hmm. or if because if i don't nobody will mm-hmm. and you so know someone give joe money because he needs <laughs> I I do, but I'll fucking figure it out, you know? Yeah, uh, and it, it's like you were saying earlier. I mean, it's not just about it's the right people. It's the right money. Exactly. It's the right way. Like, it's yeah. not just. Yeah. It's not just taking anyone who's going right. to hand you a paycheck. Because right. there's always someone who will. Maybe. Is that? <laughs> Maybe not always. But there, sometimes there is. I feel is. like yeah. there is, to be honest. Like, yeah. we've been approached. I mean, it's like we've even been approached and I wouldn't pay myself money right now mm-hmm. it's like knowing where the business is at yeah there's someone willing to but yeah. there's also the give and take yeah. are you willing to give up your whole business at a certain period yeah, yeah, absolutely right. not yeah. shout, shout out to those early pre-seed stage yeah. angel investors and because like i mean you so correct me if i'm wrong but when i was or, or if, if i if i misunderstood this but i under i i always ignorantly believed that angel investors were people that were early stage investors. In most cases, they're just like tag on in various, in various levels of funding. Um, angel investors don't always have to be early stage. It's not always the high risk people uh, or the highest risk people that are, that are like, Hey, I believe in your vision. I believe in this. This is money that, like if I lost it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I believe in this so much, and I want and I want you to not have a side hustle. I want you to focus on this. Like th- those those types of investors are really hard to find and so necessary mm-hmm. for certain for for this stage because right now, it's just like we're on the cusp of you know turning down investors, right? Like it's going to be a thing. Like it's going to be awesome. 
but right but we need we need to be able to develop relationships with people who just like really trust and believe in this thing because you know I don't have the money to do this it's, it, it, if and when I have the money to invest in people that are going through the same thing later in life I will do it mm-hmm. you know like it, it's just like holy shit I've been through this I want I I want to work with I want to work with VCs and angels who have done this before because they fucking get it. They understand what the grind is. It's a totally different thing. I'm not pl- I'm I, anyway. I'm I'm going I'm rambling, but this is this is hard. Cash flow is really difficult. Um and there are so many creative ways around around doing it. There's shady ways to do it. There are legitimate ways to do it. I err on the side of transparency. It's like, "Hey, we have this much more money. I can ask for, you know, I I, I but yeah, there's, it's a, it's a true test of leadership in a lot of ways, like how you communicate this to investors, how you communicate this to employees. Hey guys, we're going to have to cut, we're going to have to cut people's, you know, um, wages. Do you believe in this enough that we can do this at least for a temporary period, as long as, you know, we believe in the, the future upside. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately I have an amazing team that's willing to do that. But it really takes that. It takes that level of transparency and integrity and humility to say, we're going to be fucked unless we move some things around. Mm-hmm. And you're asking people that are employed by you, whose livelihoods depend on you, to make those changes. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I lose sleep at night, not because I'm worried about myself. I've been poor as fuck so many times in my life. And I, I'll be fine. But now I'm leading people. Mm-hmm. And... I'm, they tell me they're fine, but I have no idea what their cash situation is. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like, it, like it comes down to a biological level. I'm now, I now like they're, they're grown adults. They can handle things. They'll be fine no matter what. But I, but I feel like almost on a subconscious, like primitive level that I, I have to, I have to keep persevering, not for me, but for this thing, this this crazy thing that we've created from nothing it's fucking awesome and it's also scary as hell